couple of plugs before we begin tonight. We will leave, uh, the church family will leave here at 4.15. Uh, for anyone, uh, we'll say 6th or 7th, you know, like a really mature 6th grade uh, to 12th grade, we're going to take a van to, and well, and there's some exceptions I'll make. We've got some who are like borderline 5th, 6th, and they come with their sisters, and you can always come. We'll just, the more the merrier. I'll, but there's a group that is uh, out of Harding that does uh, skits, and, um, and they're very, very good. And they're going to be in Idaville. So we're going to go over there and um, be with the, some youth groups from the area over there tonight. But we will leave at 4.15 from here. Um, so please come and, and enjoy that time with us. And please bring your kids. Speaking of bring your kids, Wednesday night starts VBS. And it is going to be great. Uh, bring your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your um, nieces and nephews. And just children that you have picked up off the street with permission. Um, we, the, the more the merrier with VBS. The more kids you can get singing crazy songs, the more kids you can get laughing at skits, the more kids you can get participating in Bible class, the better off we'll be. Um, you know, the more we are together, 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 the, the better off we'll be. So, uh, please, please come to that. The, Jenny and... Um, David had really Jenny, um, and we'll give David a little credit too. No, no credit. David gets no credit. Don't do that. Don't give him any credit. Uh, Jenny, Jenny has taken over the responsibility, has gotten helpers, and she says y'all have come out in droves to um, volunteer, and so I'm, I'm so thankful. I'm always, I'm not nervous with you guys, um, but you don't, as a church, as a preacher, you're nervous when someone takes the lead, and they'll say, I'll organize the volunteers, and you think, oh dear, I hope people volunteer. Uh, but we're really re- very, very thankful for Jenny um, for putting this together and all of you who are helping um, and um, donating your time. Last year, I taught the baby class at VBS, and that's not happening this year. <laughs> it might happen next year. I don't know. I just need... Whew, I, I, I didn't feel good at it. We'll just say that much. I enjoyed it, but I didn't feel good at it. Uh, I... I would like to talk about sin. Um, I don't think a lot of people talk about sin um, in the way that we're going to talk about sin, but I'm hoping that it can kind of reframe the topic and give you a fresh perspective on what it means to sin, what it means to be tempted, and what, once you get a hold of that, what grace means. the verse we will be working out of today, if you want to turn your Bibles there, we're not there yet, but if you want to turn your Bibles there, we'll be in Romans chapter 3 today. Uh, the way we often think about sin is what, what I like to call the sin list. I know it's a creative name, uh, but basically what happens is we have a list of things that we are not supposed to do. Now, you grew up, most of you grew up in the South. And so you knew what those lists, what that list was. No smoking, no drinking, no dancing, no voting Democrat, no rocking, no rolling. In the South, that's our list. Now in the North, they have sort of different lists, but it's they have a list. 
And they have, they have these things where you, you don't do this and don't do this. And I remember thinking that if I could just stay away from swearing, if I could just stay away from smoking and drinking, if I could stay away from the, the biggest sin of all, which was not coming to church on Wednesday night, uh, I, could, I could feel holy. I would be allowed entrance into heaven. And also, uh, there, was, there was the sin of not being baptized. I need, I need to get baptized check, you know, I, and I've gone down the list and I've made sure I'm not doing the sins that are on the list. But what happened as I grew older is once I got my head around these other sins, I mean, the, 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 the main sins, they started showing me that there's other sins. There was, you know, I'm not, not only could I not uh, smoke, but I can't judge those who are. Well, that takes all the fun out of it. Just kidding. <laughs> Everyone's tightened up since we're talking about sin. Uh, so there, there is, there's these lists, and what happened as I grew older is that the sin actually, the, the sin list got bigger. Okay, could y'all mute one, mute mic one? Uh, so there is a, there's this big list of sins, and we have a, uh, we we have this, we have to stay away from them, and the way we do this is. Um, we fail. We just, we're horrible at it. So what we do, instead of staying away from all the sins on the list, is we reorganize the list. And we reorganize the list in two, one of two ways. Either my sins are sort of at the bottom of the list. The things I struggle with, they're way down here. And like we'll get to those eventually, but that, they're not really the real problem with this world. And the sins other people struggle with are up top. And they're like the serious ones. Those are, they're in big, bold letters. And so those sins are big. And we, re, we organize the list to, make, to put other people's sins on top and my sins on the bottom. Or, and this is just as dangerous, we reorganize the list to put my sins on top and other people's sins on bottom. Uh, you... This isn't the common way of doing things, but that, that does happen. And Satan can use that just as much. So the first way we organize it li- makes us to live, allows us to live in a state of superiority. Where I feel superior to other people. And the other way we organize it, sometimes people just live in this state of shame. And to be honest, the way we actually function is we're constantly flipping the list. I... I'm sometimes superior, and I'm sometimes ashamed. But to get over the shame, I try to feel superior. But the shame sort, sort of creeps back in. The problem is not the way you've ordered the list. The problem is the list itself. The problem is that we've come up with a list of sins that are really bad, and you don't need to do those things. But staring at that list, if you were to write it out, is is exhausting. And once you start paying attention to what, how you live and how you act and how you interact with your brother and your sister, how you interact with with, with the people in your in your home and the people at your workplace, and all of the little sins that come into play, if you've got this list and you're trying to avoid them. It can be exhausting. 
Because, yes, I went to church, but did I go to church for the right reasons? Yes, I sang out, but was it so others could hear my beautiful voice? Because it's not just what you do, but it's how you do it. Add that to the list, and it's just an overwhelming piece of paper that we just can't live up to. Now, eventually, Christians would say, well, Jesus has come in and just wiped out all those sins. But then why do we still live in that paradigm, in that world, where we, we let this list of sins, if sin is just a list of things, and it's hard to process and hard to think about. And what we actually end up doing is not thinking about it at all. Because it's actually, it's easier to not think about it. It's just too exhausting to think about it. Paul says something interesting in Romans chapter 3. But it, before we get there, I want to give you a little background. In the Roman church, they were struggling because they're... Uh, few years prior to the letter being written, um, several people had, been, had moved out of Rome because they were made to. If you were a Jew, you got kicked out of Rome for a, a brief time period. And then you were let back in. And after they were let back in, I mean, you, had all, you had two churches. You had a Gentile church, which was everyone who was not Jews. And then you had the Jewish church. And they were a bit at odds with each other. And Paul is trying to convince them that they are all under the same head, which is Jesus. That Jesus has united Jew and Gentile. And that, he, that he had saved them and by saving them had united them. And this, this is where he comes, and this is, some of your versions may actually say, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Those two, are, that's not a accurate translation but this is where he says here in Romans chapter 3 for there is no distinction he's talking about these two groups that are arguing for there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God notice there's there's those of you who are English buffs you might have noticed there's two tenses here in this sentence sinned have sinned and all present tense fall short. So all have sinned and all continuously at the moment fall short of the glory of God. Now you may have heard this verse on a regular basis and the, one of the things that you pick out from it and the one reason it's referenced is all have sinned. That's what we're just trying to get at. Everybody sins. Everybody sins. And so we'll say all have, fall, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What about this fall short business? Actually, the word sin there is a Greek word that has been repurposed. We have words like this, um, where, where they used to mean one thing, but now they mean another thing. In the 80s, it was real confusing because bad meant good. Bad meant good. Um, and they would say, oh, that's bad. Oh, oh, really? I'm so sorry. No, no, I just sort of mean it's really awesome. That's the opposite of what that word means. So we take words and we sort of repurpose them for one thing or the another, another and we'll use them. What happens, the way this usually happens is um, we'll use an analogy 
and the analogy will slowly shift from being an analogy or a metaphor to the actual word. This is what has happened with this word sin. The word sin in Greek um, was repurposed by a guy, uh, this guy Homer. Oh, good grief. Guys, this Homer. That's what you get for putting teenagers in the booth. So there was, a, there was about, about eight centuries before Jesus was born, uh, there was this, this author named Homer, and he wrote these, these huge, these epic poems back when they knew what epic actually meant, um, what they knew what teenagers used. I don't know if you hang around teenagers any, much anymore, but they use the word epic a lot, and they have no idea what it means. They just use it. Like, that's epic. That's a sandwich. That's not epic um so but he wrote this, this these epic poems where basically all, all epic means is it's a story in which someone's life is at risk you could die at this in this story and he wrote these huge poems and he talked and, and, and he had these wonderful ways of phrasing things and he was an excellent poet an excellent author and he repurposed an, an archery term the word we use now for sin. It was an archery term. It was a term for whenever you pulled back on your bow and you had, you had the, 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 the target lined in your sights. Like you, you had done everything properly. You had lined it up and it was right in your sights and you released the string and or the bow, I don't know what it's called. You released it and it fired and it missed. They would say, you have missed, you have followed, there's something wrong with the thing itself. There's something wrong with the bow. If you've lined it up and you put it in your sights, you are off. And he used, he repurposed that word to, to talk about how, how humans sometimes really want to do the right thing. Actually, most of the time, really want to do the right thing, but then all of the time, fail. We, we line it up and we just miss. And he used this word to say, you have missed, you, have, you, you haven't achieved it. So he'd pull back and he would release, and we all do this, we all have our intentions, we all have our sights set on something and we pull back and we're aiming. And we release, and it just doesn't land where we thought it was going to land. That's why when Paul uses these two words, or that's why actually, sorry, in Judges uh, 20, listen to how the same Greek word, whenever the Old Testament was translated into Greek, was used here when it says, At once the Benjamites mobilized 26,000 swordsmen from their towns, in addition to 700 able young men from those living in living in Gibeah. Among all these soldiers were 700 select troops who were left-handed, which is, I guess, better, each of whom, I'm not left-handed, but I'm married to one, each of whom could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. 
If you want to translate it perfectly into our English the way we've translated the New Testament, you would say they could sling, uh, and I'm guessing that's a hair on the head, which is a lot harder than a rabbit. But it, we would translate that, they could sling a stone and not sin. Not miss the, obje- the object. So whenever he says in Romans 3, for there is no distinction, all have sinned, and then adds, and fall short of the glory of God. It's not a new thing that we've done. It's a, it's a good rephrasing of what sinning is. We all fall short of the glory of God. The fact that you are just this broken individual is sin. You missed. Wow, Benjamin, this is really uplifting. Thank you. I'm going to digest potluck well. But that's just the case. God wanted things to be a certain way, and they're not that way anymore. God was hoping the world would look, his creation would stay good, and it it didn't stay good. We fall short. We don't live up to God's standards. One of the things about the sinless that um, can be detrimental is that it's assuming that if we could just, you know, at first, if we could just not smoke or drink or swear, then somehow we've attained it. Somehow we've done it. But I didn't smoke, I didn't drink, and I rarely swore. Rarely. And I was still falling short. I went to church every time the doors was op- were open, and I'd said this before, my parents had keys. We went sometimes when they were locked. And I still fell short. I was, you know, by worldly standards, raised well. I was. I had good parents. I had. I had a. I had a good church. I had a good school. I still fell short. I was um, decided to go into ministry and went to school so that I could learn my Bible better and learn my Bible better, man. Oh, goodness. And English, too. Learn the English language better, too. They really taught me to talk good there. But I went to school to, to, to enhance my learning. Like, I, I wanted to know what I was talking about. I wanted, to, I wanted to be who Jesus called me to be. and I wanted to teach others to be who Jesus called them to be. And I still fell short. I have yet to hit the target. I've always missed, I've always sinned, it's just, it's just the way, it's not just what I do, it's who I am. I have fallen short of the glory of God, I regularly miss. Then there's that next verse, that is, could be considered the uh, for the continuation of this, this sentence that you see on the screen, but it's, it's 
hard to translate sometimes, and so I just put a period. He says, Romans 3, all those people, for all have all have fall have sinned, all have missed and fall short of the glory of God. All of them are declared righteous or declared to be in the right as a gift by the grace of God found in Jesus the Messiah. Some of your Bibles may say justified, but I think justified has become one of those words that we, have, we say it all the time and we don't know what it means. All the ifides. Justified, sanctified, glorified, deep fried. But all of those, we, we have, we have this, this way of saying we will, and all have been justified. Like that word literally is, means you have been declared to be in the right. You have de- been declared righteous. I do weddings sometimes, and that's, I mean, that's one of the cool parts. Randy Harris talks about this too, where, where you stand in front of two people who aren't something, and you just declare them something, and then they are something. That's the coolest feeling in the world. I now, I kind of draw it out. I now declare you. I have that power. Do you know that? Sometimes I just do that to people in the mall. I declare you husband and wife. Done. No, you, you I declare you. By the authority given to me by the state and in the name of Jesus, I declare people things. Husband and wife, I declare them. And then all of a sudden, they are husband and they are wife. It's the neatest magic trick in the world. They weren't something and now they are something just because it's been declared. In one of my favorite television shows, there's a guy who's in... Um, uh, financial distress. He realizes that his credit cards are um, piling up on him and someone convinces him, this is not a good idea. You, you're not living the right way. This is going to be hurtful to you and your kids in the future. And, and so he comes into the office where they work. It's a paper. Um, they sell paper. And he comes into the office and he says, I declare bankruptcy. Then he goes back into his office and one of his accountants comes in and opens the door and um, says, uh, Michael, you can't just say the word bankruptcy and expect anything to happen. He said, I didn't say it. I declared it. Well, a declaration, when you declare bankruptcy or when you declare um, th- this or that, like a declaration changes things. It makes things from, go from one thing to the next. Nolan loves to play basketball. Uh, he, well, he loves basketball. He'll see one. I, we go to my parents' house some, um, sometimes, and we were there last night, and he, I, I, they have a basketball goal in their driveway, and I just I get out there, and I'll start shooting. And he'll see it, and he'll say, bah! Which, when he's actually playing basketball, I hope he keeps the way he phrases ball. Like, ball! Like, I want him to... Like as an adult, say it that way. But he, so he'll he wants the ball, and so I'll 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 give him the basketball, 
And he and he's really like, to be honest with you, he's not in here. He's really bad at it. Like every time we play one on one, I win. And he never even scores. But he'll hold the ball over his head and then just drop it. Either backward or frontward, it doesn't matter. Just drop it. And not once have I said, well, you need to put some legs into it, son. Use your legs. Better form. Get your left hand off the ball. What, all these like, I, actually we cheer every single time. He, he drops it and he missed it. He missed. But we cheer as if he made it. This is what happens with God. This is what happens when we consistently, we miss all the time. We fall short all the time. And if you might actually, if you're one of the people sitting there thinking, well, I don't really fall short all that time. You're doing it now. We, we fail all the time. And God consistently, as we miss, declares us to have hit the target. God consistently declares us as we are constantly, we are in the wrong. And he declares us to be in the right. He just says it and it's so. He just says it and it's true. I declare you're right. And notice he says it's as a gift. As a gift to us by the grace that we find in Jesus. We are declared to be in the right. Being a Christian is not about getting a list of sins right or wrong or trying to stay away from a certain number of things. It's about living, living up to what you've already been declared. So when I say I now pronounce you husband and wife, when I declare them husband and wife, they don't immediately become the best husband and the best wife they can be going to take time we're going to slowly hopefully grow and become better each year but because they're not the best husband he's not the best husband he can be and she's not the best wife she can be it does not mean that the declaration is any different does it she's still a husband nope she's still a wife and he's still a husband even when he's a bad husband, he's still declared a husband. Even when she's not that great of a wife, she's still declared a wife. I think one of the problems we've had in the churches of Christ is that we've often seen salvation as I'm in one day, I'm out the next. I'm in one day, I'm out the next. You have been declared by the God of the universe as a gift. That you are in the right. You're in. As a gift. By the grace we find in Jesus. You are in. You are declared right in Jesus name. And so you're going to fail. You're going to miss. You're going to fall short. You do. Not you will. You are falling short. Right now, you're not 
what God would have you to be. So he just gave you a new name. And that name is righteous. That name is beautiful. That name is redeemed. That name is pure. That name is holy. He has declared you to be something that you're not. And sometimes we fight God on this and we'll say, well, no, God, uh, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Just appreciate the effort. But you're already there. Now, this, this, this may end up with us living in similar ways. Like we, we may be, we're, we're going to try to be ethical. We're going to try to be honest. We're going to try to be loving. We're going to try um, to consistently live out the way of Jesus. But it's not because of the sin list that we're doing it anymore. It's because the God who loves us so much that he sent his only son declared us to be something and that declaration is truer than anything else we can come up with. As a gift, he declared us to be in the right. He declared us to be righteous. He justified us as a gift. Now, you may, your life may still look the same, but now a life lived as in the, in the wake of grace it is a life that can be lived in joy. A life that's lived by the hurting and the, the prodding of a list of sin is a life that's lived in anxiety. So the difference between the sin list and the grace life is the difference between a spirit of joy and a spirit of pain. I've met two men wonderful human beings saved by the grace of God because they trust in Jesus and then I'm where they're on their deathbed and they're scared to death oh you thought this was about the list you thought this was about some sort of list you're supposed to live up to Instead of enjoying and having the joy and the peace and the love that comes from living in the wake of grace. Living in the wave, this, this explosion that happened at the cross and pushes us on into heaven. This, this thing that changes us, not because it makes us good right away, but because it changes our name changes us into something that we weren't we didn't deserve but it gives us gives it to us as a gift you have been declared righteous in the name of Jesus so the call today is yes we are we're going to continue to improve we're going to continue to love better and and um, judge less and um, understand temptation. And that's what we're going to talk about um, throughout the sermon series. But I don't want you to see what we talk about as a list. But as just a way to understand what's happening to us when we're tempted. 
But if you don't have Jesus, you have fallen short, and you've, you've still fallen short. Some people say, well, I'm, not, I'm just not the sort of person to become a Christian. I'm not that sort of person yet. That's just as silly as someone saying, well, I would like to have at least 50 years of experience of becoming a husband before I become one. Before I'm declared one. No, let's get declared right today. Let's be justified today. Let's be declared righteous today in the name of Jesus. Accept the gift of grace we find in Jesus. And then just live your life getting better at it. Be horrible at it. They always say the first, first year of marriage is the hardest. They say that. What they mean is, you're the worst at marriage the first year. Like marriage is some sort of table you have to stand on. First year, it's hard to stand on. No, you're, you're just bad at it the first year, most times. You get better at it. Slowly live up to the name you've already been given. But if you haven't taken on the name of Jesus, today's the day to be declared right. To know that you're loved so much that God gave you a gift. And that gift is a new name. Let it happen. Start the journey today. Be united with Jesus today and let that change you. Instead of just some list of qualifications that you're supposed to meet. Get swept up in the wake of grace. Please do so while we stand inside.